Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Working all day in the Welcome to the show after hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network. Very happy to be with you. On this fine Monday, and it's a pleasure to introduce uh, one of my favorites here, uh, one of our all-time favorites. I uh, met him originally on the boxing scene, I believe, when he was a reporter with the Miami Herald. He went on to uh, great acclaim uh, with the Washington Post, uh, moved his way into TV, and people realized not only is this man intelligent and uh, loaded with integrity and journalistic integrity, but uh, also very handsome as well. So we welcome from the NFL Network, where he uh, is seen often as a reporter. You can follow him on Twitter, at Weish89. And also you can see Steve throughout the week, NFL Network's uh, NFL Now, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the network. The great Steve Weish joins us here on the show. Uh, Stephen, thanks so much for getting up with us uh, here on the program. People, good morning, man. You know, you make me sound like I got a face for radio. <laughs> uh, you're one handsome devil. I tell you what, uh, we've gotten into video streaming now with the radio show, and uh, there was a reason we were in radio for the last 40 years. <laughs> God. Ugliness is not strong enough of uh, an adjective to describe uh, the way people are depicting us in uh, rather vicious uh, Twitter attacks. Hey, I wanted to introduce you to our audience in this fashion here because uh, I was one of those guys. I I never like to ask a question in the locker room, really. I would kind of just poach in there with everybody else, stick a microphone in, because what are you going to say, especially in a losing locker room? And I'm not one to pop up with the first question or any questions, for that matter, in any press conferences, including the many bogus press conferences we've had here in South Florida, Uh, my favorite of which was when they uh, announced that Don Shula wanted to step aside to make way for Jimmy Johnson as the head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, while he was, they were holding his wife hostage at the time, I think, and at gunpoint somewhere uh, in a warehouse uh, in Davie. But um, you you were the guy that, that popped that question to Colin Kaepernick uh, a few years back after, uh, I'll let you tell the story, because uh, you had noticed uh, that he wasn't uh, standing on the sidelines for the national anthem. How did that come about? Because that, that was the very beginning uh, of what became uh, still a, a very uh, embroiling and uh, fierce controversy with the NFL. Yeah, Devo. I mean, this is 2016. It was the summer when, you know, we just, the, the first summer we really saw a lot of unarmed black people getting shot on video by police. Um, you know, Alt Sterling, Philando Castile, all these people. So um, I get a phone call before the Niners Packers third preseason game from a colleague, Mike Garofolo, who says, look, I was speaking with somebody in management who said they've noticed that Kaepernick has not been standing for the first two preseason games, but he's been hurt. So we don't know if something's going on. So keep an eye out since he's actually been medically cleared. He's going to play today. So he doesn't stand. Um, so makes me think of some things I saw on his social media over the summer. Um, and some conversations I had with people over the summer that, you know, said, hey, he's really gotten into the Black Lives Matter uh, action. And, and so after the game, 
um, nobody asked Cap about not standing during his news conference. So I pulled him to the side. I had a prior relationship with Cap. Um, I said, look, what's this about? You know, and then he said what he said. Hey, look, you know, it's, I, you know, there, there are police officers getting paid leave while there are people of color lying dead in the street from their bullets. Um, and so I, I wrote the story. It wasn't a television story. It was a written story. Um, and then it came out the, you know, a couple hours later the following morning. And uh, the rest is very much history. Yes, I mean, uh, could you have anticipated in your wildest imagination uh, the the level of uh, not only uh, I mean, uh, people were at first uh, revolting against this guy, and uh, the league was condemning him. He still never uh, set foot uh, on a on a football field again, uh, at least in terms of uh, any kind of regular season game. Could you, uh, in your wildest imagination, Steve Weish uh, of NFL Network, have anticipated the reaction to that story and uh, how it uh, still manages to be evolving? Well, once it became public, I could very much imagine the reaction to the story. Um, I knew even then, I mean, him and I, off the record, after we chatted, I said, look, man, this is going to be really big because, you know, think back to, I believe it was 1996 when Chris Jackson, the NBA player who had changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, he didn't acknowledge the flag during the playing of the national anthem when he was playing for the Denver Nuggets and he got suspended because the NBA had a, you must stand and recognize your flag in the national anthem policy. The NFL did not. Um, and just the, the blowback was, was unbelievable. So now you have a dude who was a, a Super Bowl quarterback doing it. So you knew it's going to, it was going to be huge. Now, did I know it was going to have the legs to sustain? Not so much. Um, I, I don't think anyone understood, even Cap, the, the magnitude of it. But I think we did understand there was going to be significant blowback just because, you know, look, you kind of tread on the flag, so to speak, that that's offensive to a lot of people. This is the this is After Hours with Defon Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network. We're talking with NFL Network reporter Steve Weish. Follow him up on Twitter at Weishita. And he's also podcast host. He and... Another legendary columnist, writer, reporter, Jim Trotter, have a great podcast. It's super fun. It's great with the NFL, but it's also really fun. Huddle and Flow. You can find that at NFL.com, and I'm sure wherever you find your podcast. Steve, on this topic, before we move on, of course, to the NFL at large, how do you think this has changed the NFL? We know early on the NFL didn't get on board with it, but as we saw it change in society and football, affect society and society jump on one way or the other. We've seen the NFL sort of slowly get behind this. How do you think it's changed the NFL today? Well, I mean, it's changed a lot of ways. And I want to take it from the player perspective more than the entity of the NFL. For the players, remember, very few people supported cap, at least outspokenly and, you know, action-wise. You would see Eric Reed uh, and a couple other players, Michael Bennett, um, a few other players eventually uh, didn't stand for the national anthem, took a knee. You know, and he had some guys who would speak out, like Kenny Stills and a few other guys. But now you're seeing more and more players, white players, black players, whatever, speak out about how, how everything that's going on in the world. It seemed to be a lot more politically active. We've seen players get very much behind voting initiatives before the last presidential election, regardless of what you know political affiliation. 
Um, we've seen the league itself come up with a lot more initiatives supporting the players coalition um, with millions, tens of millions of dollars. And so you've got a lot of players like Malcolm Jenkins and um, Deron Harmon and the McCourty brothers and so many of these players, Anquan Bolden, actually affecting legislation at state houses and in Congress. Um, so, you know, the NFL, of course, using its, its visibility and its, and its financial muscle has really pushed a lot of initiatives. You see the hashtags and things all over the field on the back of helmets and, and things like that. But I, I think it's more important that players have kind of found their footing in terms of doing community service and, and being more active. I think that's more the bigger offshoot than what the league itself has actually done. Certainly had a revolutionizing impact. Uh, Steve Weish of NFL Network with us here on our After Hours program, Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Trump got involved. Yep. He opened up a big mouth. Yep. Uh, Jerry looked like Marge Schott uh, talking about this <laughs> stuff, about how he, uh, 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 the uh, owners, especially the old stodgy white guard, Yep. Uh, that uh, is essentially what comprises the ownership of the NFL and is represented uh, so favorably by one Roger Goodell. They didn't know what to do. I mean, Stephen Ross looked really weird. He's like on one knee. Half of them is standing up as he's arm in arm uh, with these players that now want to protest. Uh, and uh, it really was wild. The NFL was uh, totally blindsided by uh, its lack of preparation uh, to handle a situation like this while they were trying to convince people, oh, yeah, we're very much on board with diversity. I want to make sure uh, we take care of uh, all of the uh, issues that are involved uh, when it comes to racism in the National Football League. Uh, all right, Steve, we had another incident like this of sorts. And I guess this got Urban Meyer's uh, twerking episode uh, and, and got him out of the headlines when John Gruden, it was discovered, was having his emails ghostwritten by John Rocker. What, what did you make of that? Well, I mean, that was, you know, I, I would say that that's an unfortunate thing, but I think it's probably a lot more common um, among some people than in the NFL than that we'd like to recognize, which is why the NFL is now releasing the 165,000 emails into the investigation of the Washington football team. Um, remember, this whole John Gruden thing started because there was an investigation into the Washington football team for workplace misconduct and sexual misconduct allegations. The league says, okay, we went through everything. We're going to penalize the team by fining them $10 million and taking owner Dan Schneider out of day-to-day -day operations. And that's it. No written report. Just an oral presentation. Yeah. Um, and then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, okay, look, they have had these emails since like June or July. And they decide in October, someone decides in October to start leaking these emails to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. But the only emails leaked are the ones between John Gruden um, and then Washington football team president Bruce Allen, who have history going back to their days together in Tampa and then that's where all these these racist and homophobic and misogynistic emails you know come to light which clearly shows that hey they were because they, they, they were over seven years like hey they were quite friendly using this type of vernacular um this type of language um and it cost John Gruden his job it it but it's more than anything I I just think now has the general public which has become so skeptic of some of the things the way the NFL handles things in large part because of the way it handled the Kaepernick thing that people are like, Oh, okay. If you, if you think this is it, then, uh, you know, we, we've got, we've got some property <laughs> over in Dubai. 
for you know, you know. So it's it's. I mean, it's 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 just it's 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 just insane. It's insulting to think because look, I remember I was live on air when I was handed about an eighty-page document, the original Robert Mueller report, oh, wow. when the Richie Incognito bullying thing with Jonathan Martin. I'm on air handing this, deciphering this. I'm going live on air with all the disciplines and everything that are coming down. Okay, I remember Deflategate, Bountygate. There was always written evidence that was provided to the media, most of it complete rulings. Yet in this case, there was just an oral presentation with any type of evidence, you know, in the ether. You know, it was kind of like the Spygate tape that was wanded by a magnet that all of a sudden yes. made everything go away. <laughs> yeah. Tape? What tape? Woman? Yeah. What woman? Yes. <laughs> well, and Steve, let me ask you on that, you, you just touched on it. A lot of people are saying it's not conspiracy. It feels if there's 600,000 emails and you got this on Gruden, it should only be the tip of the iceberg. But somehow, some way, Snyder, because $10 million means nothing to these guys, skates time and time again. To me, we've yep. seen these leagues get away with this stuff until, right? Like Donald Sterling owned the team for 50 years. Everyone knew he was a racist. But until stuff like this comes out, magically, Sterling. And it worked out. He sold his team for a number no one thought he could get in the billions, but he was gone, right? Daniel Snyder skates away, away, away. But to me, this is so big and it's still permeating that I find it even hard for to believe that Snyder could still skate on this. Like, is he really going to continue to skate even though it's been become this big of a deal? Well, I'm telling you right now, I have no reason to believe that anything's going to change. Wow. There, you know, so far, the league has said we've already punished him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not going to go back and punish him some more. I mean, but like you said, I'm glad you brought that up. Like with Donald Sterling, the old L.A. Clippers, everyone knew for decades this guy was a racist because he had lost or settled hundreds of housing discrimination lawsuits because he's a, he's a big landlord, slumlord, whatever it is out here in L.A. And then all of a sudden he gets recorded on tape and the league's like, you got to go. Because the NBA, you have to understand, has forward-thinking Owners who are much more are comprised much more of venture capitalists than these NFL owners who got the money the hard way, which is inheriting it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you you have a different type of owner, a different type of, of, of kind of societal vision of the type of owners. And right now, you know, you, you have to pretty much believe that. The reason why there's no evidence of these other emails that could get Daniel Snyder in more trouble is because it could probably get some other people in more trouble. And this is kind of guys looking out for guys. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, ugliness. Uh, and uh, many people think, uh, much like V. Stiviano was the uh, leak in the Donald Sterling thing, that Snyder himself exactly. may have leaked out this stuff to uh, focus a spotlight elsewhere uh, and not have it shine. Well, was, uh, directly was the team driving with one of those big. Was he seen driving with one of those big half moon visors on his head? Is that kind of the tip? <laughs> <laughs> Flying a plane over the stadium was Gruden all along. Uh, uh, Steve Weish of NFL Network with us here. Uh, we have to have you weigh in on this. We've been asking a lot of our football analysts the same question. Uh, at what point in the season will Dan Campbell resort to animal and or human sacrifice <laughs> to motivate his team to go out there and continue to try hard and maybe win a couple of ball games? <laughs> Well, I mean, look, if you watch them play seriously, because I watched yeah. that game with the Rams. They're, they're not they, horrible. They, yeah. but guys, well. <laughs> they are not – like, honestly, if you sat down and watched a Dolphins game, a Jets game, 
a Lions game and, I don't know, a Houston Texans game, you're not telling me that the Detroit Lions are the worst team of that, of that group. Yeah. They play hard on both sides of the ball. They just don't have players. They are just incredibly, you know, weak when it comes to personnel. And then that clearly was intentional by them getting rid of all the wide receivers and players like that. But they're a winless football team, but I guarantee you every team that they've played has been like, okay, we were just in a real game. They just don't have the pieces to kind of get them over the, the hump and score the points. Or, you know, they make a mistake at the wrong point of the game. But, you know, like I watched that Dolphins game yesterday. And, and, and Tua, he made the two, two mistakes, but he played his butt off, man. All right. He, he was there at the end. He put them in position to win, and then the defense just gets gives up a big drive right there at the end of the game and lose the ball game. And it's happened over and over. And so, you know, again, Dan Campbell, it's brutal right now what's going on in Detroit. But they've at least got a competitive foundation where you can see for the moment guys are still playing hard. They had a shot during a ball game, the Dolphins game against Atlanta, Steve Weish, and uh, it was Chris Greer on the phone. And I, I thought he was calling Houston to get to Sean Watson to play the fourth <laughs> quarter of that ball game, where, where Tua came back and distinguished himself. And, and I guess that's the next magic question. If somebody does acquire, if it hasn't happened already, Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline, and uh, supposedly Carolina's in, uh, maybe not as happy with Sam Darnold as you would have liked to think if you were a Darnold fan out of New York and thought the escape of Adam Gase, escaping Adam Gase, would turn things around for him immediately. But um, what do you anticipate? I mean, or does anybody know what the league's position is going to be? Because uh, Houston has kind of been taking care of the league's problem of yep. how to deal with yep. uh, all of these allegations that are swirling about, civil suits, possible criminal charges uh, against Deshaun Watson, and they haven't been playing him, uh, but uh, they've been paying him. Uh, now, what, what happens if he gets traded? Uh, does he sniff the field this year, in your opinion? I think he does. Oh, wow. I, I think if he gets traded... I think if he gets traded to a team like the Carolina Panthers or the Miami Dolphins, he's playing right away. As soon as he gets up to wow. speed, I think he's playing. Yeah, he's eligible to. I mean, the league continues to say he could be playing right now for Houston, but down there, everybody's kind of happy with just paying him to stay away. He never, he doesn't want to play. Before all, remember, before all these allegations came came out, he wanted out. I mean, he made it yeah. abundantly clear that he'd never want to play another down for the organization. And so then everything else came out in the league. like, oh, okay, well, you just solved your own problem. You're not going to play another down for us. Um, but until, you know, I, I think a lot of teams would have loved to have made a move for him, but they just could not reconcile giving up the freight in terms of trade compensation for a guy who might not play part of next season. Because remember, his, his legal depositions and all that stuff take place, I think, beginning next February or March. So that gives you time to get through this season. And then next year, you probably have to wait for potential discipline. So does he get traded and settle all these things and make him go away? Possibly. I mean, so I, I think that's what some teams are weighing now. And I also think that they would not have to give up as much in compensation as like the three ones and, and two twos or whatever was rumored to be out there that Houston was asking for the season. It's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but, boy, that, 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 that's an awful lot, man. That is an awful lot for a guy who's going to win you ball games, but you just don't know what his availability is going to be next season. Many question marks uh, swirling around that story. Steve Weish, uh, NFL Network. Now, now uh, one last thing. You spent some time in Houston. 
And, uh, you know, he, he had uh, denounced the organization, said he didn't want to uh, play there. And this was before the uh, preseason, I guess, got underway. Uh, you were reporting on this. And uh, the, the allegations, I mean, they're so plentiful. I, I think the only guy to grope more massage therapists was Bob Kraft, uh, at least according to the story. Now, we don't know that any of this is true and, and where it's going to go. But um, and, and this is an issue, I guess. I mean, uh, will, will the NFL club that takes him, if indeed one does, besides the Houston Texans, and he plays for, say, Carolina or the Dolphins. Uh, how do they justify that? And will they have to justify that other than the fact that the guy's a great player to their fan base? Is there any kind of uh, moral consideration uh, that uh, needs to go with the team that's uh, going to acquire this man? Well, that's why there's only a handful of teams who are willing to do this because, you know, some of those clubs do have some type of moral compass. I mean, can you imagine him going to a team like Philadelphia and try to present him. Yeah, that's an organization that, you know, took in Michael Vick after the dog fighting scandal after he served his time. Yes. But can you imagine with that fan base and and like a lot of the women's groups and whatnot would have to say? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's a lot of owners right now who just they don't take players who've been involved with any type of domestic violence, that type of domestic issue. Again, we don't know if any of this stuff is actually true, but like you said, there's a pattern of behavior here that, yeah. that's shown up an awful lot. Um, so whoever does acquire him would have to probably do some type of justifying with its fan base. And remember, Carolina's previous owner, oh. he got himself into trouble. He had to take himself out of day-to-day operations for some type of workplace behavior with women that was not condoned, which was found to be inappropriate. So let's not forget, you know, some of the potential coincidences slash ironies here, if, if that's the situation that happened. So, um, again, that's all the things that these clubs have been weighing for months. You know, they've had a long time to figure out a strategy on how to deal with this. So that's why if a trade comes down, you would hope some team would have some type of proactive public relations unit out there to, to kind of brace the fan base and the club for what's, what's going to come with any acquisition of Deshaun. He's carrying the NFL network personally, this Honestly. gentleman with his fine reporting, uh, outstanding. You can see why he's number one NFL networks, uh, NFL now 1 PM Eastern time. You can catch Steve Wash, who's been our special guest here on after hours with Defoe and Luby on our Believe podcast. Uh, Steve, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much. Great stuff, as always. Uh, and we really appreciate you getting up early in L.A. and being with us here on the program. You got it, Jens. Always great. You guys take care. All right, Steve. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Steve Weish. Uh, a real mensch uh, all over it, huh? Great. Dude. Very interesting. Uh, he was the guy who popped a question there to Colin Kaepernick. Hey, Colin, uh, do you have any issues with the national anthem? What's the deal there? And, and look what has happened since. That, that, that was funny, too, watching some of those owners. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> Trump's out there saying uh, nobody should ever play in the NFL again if uh, you kneel for the national anthem. Uh, people, uh, you know, I have great respect for this country, and I'm a believer in uh, standing and saluting the flag. Uh, yes. I appreciate the fact that uh, we have the kind of freedom we do to uh, choose whatever it is that we want in terms of uh, making a living and uh, now much more liberal in, in what you can say. Leave Podcast Network. Uh, I'm a real uh, red-blooded American uh, through and through. So, uh, I, I would uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, be a guy that would condone uh, denouncing the country. But, uh, you know, how can you not also respect a difference of opinion? I, I think that's something that's very much lost. And yet this was so divisive in yep. the beginning. And, and nobody knew what to do, right? Yep. Owners were like, ah, oh, well, this guy will never play for us again. And, and then the next 
turn. They're, they're, they're literally, you know, like arm in arm. They're holding arms. <laughs> we were in support of Kaepernick. That was the best. Look, I'm a, I always stand for the National Anthem. I'm an innocent question, right? I mean, uh, yep. you know, that was a great story Steve told. Well, an innocent answer. Like, uh, Kaepernick didn't even push it. He didn't put it out on social. He didn't let anyone know. He was just doing it for himself. And Weish asked, and he answered. And it became a wildfire. Look, I myself always stand for the National Anthem. But again, being that this is America, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, I'm all about you doing whatever you feel is right. The flag, that anthem doesn't mean the same thing for everyone all the time. Sometimes you can be mad at your country. That's what's great about America, and that's why we love this country, whatever side you're on. My favorite was Ross, because Ross has all these organizations where he's looking he for equality. He never knows what to do. Stephen and Ross, he was all about it. Yeah. And then he's seen donating to Trump, like at galas. Trump. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Ross? Smart shot. It really was. Smart shot all over again. <laughs> that was the right? best. Got like a swastika behind her desk, there, and you're thinking, oh, racism? Nah, never, never heard of that. I don't think so, Marge. How's Shotzi doing? Did she take a dump? Exactly. Right there on the carpet. Look at that. <laughs> uh, incredible. All right. Uh, more to come here on our uh, After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Believe Podcast Network. Great to be with you. And uh, we'll be back with more. Uh, Luby's Law, is that going to be part of the equation today here, uh, Luby, Mr. European Travel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There should be a Luby's Law. You always get your default files. And you can always check us out, by the way. If you like what we're doing here, we do a lot more each and every day of the week from 7 to 9 live. You can watch it, ionchannel.com forward slash the dash default dash show. You can always listen to us each and every day from 7 to 9. Defoandluby.com slash live. A lot of slashes, a lot of dot coms. <laughs> so hopefully they get all of it. I'm trying. How stunned do you think Donald Sterling was when he found out V. Staviano had a tape of the phone call? <laughs> that was the best. It's and all- you notice the NBA didn't really react until they started putting tarpaulins over the advertising signs. Exactly. At exactly. the Staples Center. And then it was like, whoa, we better do something about Donnie. <laughs> Never mind that he's been a disgrace for the last 30 years. All right, uh, hopefully we're not a disgrace to you guys. Believe Podcast Network. We believe and believe and happy to be with you. And uh, we'll be back with the Luby's Law on Believe Podcast Network and After Hours with Defoe and Luke. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.